What's up, everyone? Uh, Nitro Power are back. Been on hiatus for a minute. Of course, uh, we're just getting started. You don't want to miss a bunch of episodes, but life happens and shit happens at work. So, you know, when you do this in your spare time and you're just talking to yourself, sometimes it uh, takes a minute to get back on track, especially when you're battling the, the demons in your mind when it comes to work and leadership and... Uh, task management and finishing out jobs and the list goes on and on you know one of the things that uh, most recently had a guy in my office we were chatting about things and uh, new to this side of the business and one of the things that brought up was I talk about you know what a superintendent should do but I don't talk about what a superintendent is and so that's kind of a, it's kind of a big ass broad spectrum of shit. Um, it's all good shit and bad shit, but at the same time, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff. It's there's not a one size fits all answer. Uh, on the other hand, in the same week, I got a call from a a dude that reached out, you know, because uh, one of my coworkers was talking me up from back in the day. When he saw me on the opposing side, meaning he was like from a testing lab and, uh, his job was to find everything we screwed up. And my job was to make sure he didn't find it, uh, because we were doing the right thing and we were doing, you know, we're building for plans and specs, which is what we should be doing every day. You know, we go, we go out, we get our paycheck based on, uh, the client's needs and, and we have to fill that role as a superintendent roles roles pretty vast so i'll try to touch on everything today as best i can um at least from my perspective because that's really all i got you know perspectives everything for sure so my experiences and uh and trials and tribulations are vast and some not for the faint of heart uh there's some pretty wild shit in there but something can be learned from everything you know that's been encountered or has happened or or, you know, every situation, there's a, there's a learning experience in there. I think that's the important thing to take away from all this stuff is if you're not experiencing or trying to insert yourself to be in the moment, uh, to get that participation trophy, you're not going to gain anything from anything, uh, because you weren't there to experience it. You can't share that story or, or see that thing happen either as a witness or by your direct action. And so, really it all starts with a, a a participation and a desire right you have to have somewhere in your guts you have to have a desire for you to want to do something whether it's um you know you're doing something because you're motivated by uh you want to get power or uh you're trying to get some money or status or cloud or whatever that thing is or maybe you're just doing it for your family because you're you know that's what you're there to do is you're doing it for your family and and for me it changed over the course of the years uh from the beginning to where i am now so the 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 motivating factor will always be different for everybody based on where you are in your life what your home situation is your political affiliation as much as you want to talk about that or not um, where you live in the country, what way of life you're trying to seek, um, things you're willing to tolerate 
and things you're willing to not tolerate. You know, that will, that will dictate how, why, who, when, where, what, uh, superintendent you, you want to be. But, but to get into a little bit deeper, way deeper today, um, what is a superintendent? Um, it's, it's definitely not what the stereotype thinks it is. It's a, a superintendent isn't a person that sits in the trailer. No matter how hard you try to keep your fat ass in that chair all day long and just be the guy in charge, it doesn't mean you're in control. It doesn't mean anybody thinks you're in charge. It doesn't even mean that you're the boss. Like, you're just, don't be that guy sitting in the trailer being the trailer queen because nobody has respect for that shit. Uh, nobody cares or values your opinion. So you, you definitely don't want to be a trailer queen. Um, a superintendent can be so much more. It's not a man. It's not a woman. It's not purple-haired, fucking transgendered, you know, uh, whatever, <laughs> non-binary. Um, it's just a person that's been... Hopefully it's a person, unless we go to fucking AI uh, Roombas with 360 cameras on. But at some point, like, it's still a human being um, managing a project. And the internals of that human being, I think, have to have, you have to have some certain characteristics. Um, Without those certain characteristics, I think you're going to fail or you're going to suffer or you're going to have to work harder than other people with those characteristics. Right. And so for me, the characteristics I have are are not my choosing that shit I was born with, which has been scientifically proven. And then there's things that you've learned over time that you integrate into your day to day operating way of doing things. And those are learned things. And so if you don't want to learn anything or you think you automatically know it or you seek help and you ask for it, and that other person is trying to give you some advice and help, and then you take that one conversation, and then that's good enough for you, and you're going to try to run with it, you're sadly mistaken. You're way off base. Because being a superintendent, it's a lifetime event. It's not just a plug-and-play, give me the cliff notes, okay, I've got it, I'm going for it. Unless you you got an IQ of 140 fucking 7 and a determination and relentlessness that doesn't exist in most people. Um at that point, you probably figure it out on your own, but that goes back to my point. That's, that's the drive, the desire, the, you know, why are you doing this shit? So at the very beginning, let's, let's talk about what is, or what makes up a person that could be a superintendent. And, and for me, I got to talk about me cause that's all I know. So just recently we just did a, um, a personality test and which was very interesting cause I've done quite a few over the years and they've definitely changed over time uh, used to be the color system then it was a letter system you know are you type a personality type b personality uh i, I and i floated in the middle right um were you a red color a, a green a yellow a blue i was a blue um and, and then as we progress through time you know it's it's very interesting because companies want to know who's working for them right and they want to understand like what kind of people do they have? Not not for any other reason than to, with us, we are trying to align people with the correct personality to do that correct job. Because there's nothing we hate more than, than somebody who wants to do a job 
who comes to the table and attempts to do that job and then they fail on every fucking level in that job because they lack the the traits uh, to be able to complete that job, you know, because whether we believe it or not, some people are just born to put fucking pencils in boxes. I, You can achieve anything you want to be, but there's just some people that are they're just not going to get it. Um, and that's okay, you know, because it's not, none of this shit is, is meant for everybody. And, and maybe your illusion of what you want to be isn't really what you're willing to work for or you don't want to put that effort into doing it. So, so maybe you should pick a new career path. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's fucking real. And so I knew at slaving my ass off in 115 degree heat in Las Vegas, seeing this asshole run around in a, in a brand new truck in their air conditioning, uh, jumping out, looking at a couple of things. Everybody did what he said and he hopped back in, went back to his office. I thought, man, who the fuck is that guy? So me being ignorant into the way of the world back then, you know, I go to my, uh, the guy who was running me and, uh, who was a crazy ass fucking blade operator who threw his hard hat at me probably 30, 40 fucking times a day. Cause I was stupid. Um, I asked Rod, you know, his name was Roger, crazy guy, crazy fucking dude. Um, and I asked him, I asked Roger, I'm like, Hey, who's that guy in the fucking shoes? He goes, Oh, the penguin. Yeah, that's fucking superintendent. I'm like, huh, what's he do? He goes, he just comes out here and fucking yells at us for shit that he doesn't even know what we're doing, you know, but whatever. He's He's got to be here and we work for him. Up until that point, for like four fucking months, I had no idea that that guy was in charge because I was stuck with Roger, you know, fucking yelling and screaming at me. All fucking day long from from 3.30 a.m. till the time we got off, whatever time that was. And I never knew what time we were going to get off because the day end. Roger told us the day ended when he said it was done. So so talk about a wake-up call for me. I'm like, holy shit, there's someone else in charge. Fucking dude gets to drive around. Like, that's the job I want to do. Like, he was clean. He had fucking nice boots on. Like, man. So I tried to figure out. How the fuck to be a superintendent? So that adventure back in the day, it was hard because people didn't want to talk to you about that shit. You know, nobody had time and I was a dumbass kid and I really wasn't devoted to a whole bunch of shit either because I was doing the rodeo thing and um, just not, just wasn't a nice human being, I guess, uh, for, for the sake of being consistent and uh, accountable for my own actions because, uh, you know, I, I, I worked. Um, but when it was quitting time, I was out. I wasn't volunteering for shit. I had other things I was going to do. I, I didn't care. Like, work was just a, a necessary evil to for me to continue on with the shit I was really wanting to do, which was uh, be wild. So, but I always thought in the back of my mind, through that time, even traveling and, and going to towns and riding in the back of trucks for hours on end, you know, going to the next rodeo that I needed to figure out something because I knew this shit wasn't going to last forever. At least I was smart enough then to start planning something for the long term. Because that I think that's the thing, too, is we can all follow our dreams, but at some point we have to realize if, if we're not kicking it down and dropping the hammer every day and not getting lucky, then you got to find something that 
uh, will feed you, right? Put a house over, put a roof over your head. Um, you know, just, just to be able to, to, to be a contributing member to society. So, so for me, I started digging, trying to figure out what a superintendent was just like that question I had the other day. And, and I found this back then there was no internet, there was no fucking smartphone or any of this crazy amount of technology we have now. Um, so I ended up like going to the bookstore and I wasn't a fan of the library because the library was so convoluted. So whatever. Uh, so I went to a bookstore and I spent probably four or five hours kind of walking around and, and then finally I found this book and, uh, pulled off to the side and started reading it. I'm like, Holy crap, this one's good. And, and, uh, kind of answer some of my questions kind of gives me an outline and, so I went up to the register and bought it. It was a hundred and I want to say 185 bucks for the book. And at that point, you know, I went to college, dropped out because college, you know, sucked. And um, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. You know, after talking to a professor sitting in a in a bar I snuck into in Kansas, and it was really the first thing that I had done at. I think eight, I don't know. I think I was, I was almost 19. Um, but it was the first thing that I had done for myself to teach myself something, but, and it was a lot of money, $185 for a fucking book. Are you shitting me? So, so I did it. Uh, and I took it home and because I bought it and I paid $180 for this book, I devoured it. Uh, I read it. I don't know how many times and I took notes and I looked at forms that were in there and, and I, I just, I just absorbed everything that I could from that. And then at the same time I ditched the rodeo thing. I was kind of all over the place, you know, living on people's couches, um, trying to figure out, you know, how, how to get back into the construction world, uh, in a different state. Cause I had left, um, the state I was in and, and I went to a different state kind of back home ish for the most part. So at that point, like reading this book secretively, you know, kind of hiding it cause I didn't want anybody to know. Cause it, it, to me, I felt like I was kind of a, was kind of dumb, but, but at, at the same time it wasn't dumb. I was maybe embarrassed a little bit, um, because I didn't know and I didn't want to ask anybody cause the answers that I'd gotten in the past were just shit, you know? So, so I'm reading this book and I get into, uh, doing some house stuff. And before too long, uh, I start employing some of these things, you know, as, a as a, just a person. And next thing you know, I end up being a, being the guy running a whole freaking subdivision, um, which is another story for another day. But I don't think I could have got there had I not had the motivational drive to want to do that job. So in order to get there, I saw it as a way to like not bust my ass initially and not be sweating my balls off. Um, but then I realized how intriguing the whole fucking thing was because now I was strategizing hundreds of thousands of dollars in work and using tactics on the day to day to employ that strategy to make it successful. I didn't even realize I was doing it that thing back then. 
I was just sourcing info. I was paying attention to the guys doing the, the, the trades. Um, and, and my background in, in doing finished carpentry and, and, uh, hanging out with my gramps when he would build shit. Um, that all kind of tied into things, you know, I can set a door and, and do trim work like a, like a motherfucker. But this other stuff was really new to me. I didn't understand concrete. I didn't really care. I didn't understand framing. Didn't really care. Um, a lot of the stuff I just didn't understand and I didn't care about it. But then once I rolled into this new position, now all of a sudden I had to learn it because I felt in my own mind before anybody said shit that how could I be in charge of something if I didn't know how the fuck it went down. And so this crazy five, six year immersion into construction and probably longer if you ask my wife, um, this immersion and this like infiltration and relentlessness and craziness that, that took a hold of me sucked me into this world of, of construction where I had to understand everything about everything and, uh, down to screw fasteners and length of screw fasteners and types and why this plywood is better than this OSB and, um, why hand-built trusses uh, are applicable in, in, in some situations, but in others you can get pre-manufactured stuff. Or how to set grade and in, in tra- use transits and laser levels and shit like that. Like I grew up in the time where the old shit kind of started fading away and the new shit was entering. And I'm very thankful that the, the dudes that I was around um, that worked for me – by accident, uh, were the most willing and able people to share all their information with me. It was literally for me, it was like being in an addition, uh, a, a, t- a television episode of this old house every fucking day for five years. I learned how to do things right. I learned how to, how to do amazing things, um, the correct way because everybody that was there, nobody cut corners. Um, Nobody worked on a clock and everybody did the right thing. And you could tell when we were done with the house that everybody gave a shit, you know, because, um, nobody cut any corners from, from the concrete guys all the way down to the very end, uh, to the carpet dudes. Uh, it was crazy. It was, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was an awesome experience and, and I would never, uh, I would never, uh, be where I'm at had I had I not done that so and so hats off to a shitload of people that they'll never hear this podcast because they're old as fuck and they don't listen to podcasts so a couple dudes I still talk to a couple I've reached out to to thank them and and you know one thing that that they said to me recently when I did reach out and say thank you was the same thing I end up telling other people too like uh, they only want they only wanted to show me because I wanted to learn, you know? And so it was easy for them to show me all this stuff because I was just gobbling it up and I was using it and applying it in a way that was beneficial to everybody. Um, nobody likes it less than to share all your information, bleed your fucking soul out and help everybody and give all the info that you have to somebody to that next generation, no matter the age, it's just that next person. 
Um, but it's no good if you do that and they don't do shit with it. They just take it and shit on it or they abandon everything because at that point it makes it really hard for a dude like me that's got all this shit wrapped up in my brain. It's hard for me to want to take that next person on and show them all these things because not that I'm going to give that to them, but that they don't want to apply those things or do that hard work that I had to do. And and maybe that's just the old guy and me talking. Um, but don't take anything for fucking granted. If somebody's going to take the time to tell you some stuff, like shut your mouth and listen, take some notes because if you're, if you're getting good info, you're going to want to write that shit down. The only difference between most people right now that are struggling and me being a superintendent was I wrote that shit down. I listened to the old guys and I fucking applied it. And then I applied it until I could make it my own in a way, because we're all going to have variables, right? They're all going to be situations that, that dictate the way things go. And so for me, I put my own spin on stuff, whether it was to go faster or to change a sequence or whatever that may be. But I understood how every trade worked, all the materials they needed, how those materials got assembled. And then generally I could gauge by a, a, a known measurement, whether it was square footage or lineal footage or, or, um, floor of a house or whatever I could, I could start gauging duration of time, uh, for them on, in their scope of work, you know, carpet guy, two story house, kitchen had wood, dining had wood, 2,500 square feet, uh, three carpet dudes show up. That fucker's going to be done in two days, three days tops. If they're, they're, awesome dudes and they're taking their time and it looks nice. I'm fine with three days to put carpet in a house. Shouldn't, shouldn't be, especially in a two story home. That was pretty fucking normal or, or knowing how many blocks a Mason could lay by himself. And then understanding that there's a difference between block Masons, hot carriers, tenders, and fucking the, the other support guys. So really your, your things are going to matter by your attention to understanding how this shit works. So, so for a superintendent, you got to pay attention. You have to have that ability to understand, um, what you don't know. So you can pay attention so you can gain that knowledge of, of the things that are happening. Right. So, so for me, paying attention was a big deal. Keeping notes, uh, tracking that history. I mean, I, I appreciated history outside of the construction, but, but the history that you create for yourself and the history that you live for yourself, you can fucking use that shit all day long, every day. I go back and, and look at my old history and apply some common sense to a job I'm working on now and and compare it to a job I did five, 10, 15 years ago and can get a pretty good idea of like how things are going to go because when you change your surroundings and areas and locations and fucking people and you know, whatever, when, when all those variables start coming into play, the, the baseline is, is you're still building a building with people, right? And you still need materials. So, so for, a, for me as a superintendent, that 
understanding of, of how all those materials that went together is pretty important, right? But that's that inquisitive piece of, of, of being a human being is for me. I needed to understand that shit. Now, some of you guys don't give two fucks about what any of it is. And, and I can tell when I'm on a job site because you don't know what the fuck they're doing and you don't know what the hell they need. And let alone that if they even have it to begin with while you're yelling at them to go faster, you know? So, so irregardless of your, your human traits, you still need to know what they're doing, especially if you're going to be in fucking charge. Right. Um, uh, and, and in charge, we'll, we'll talk about in charge and in control as, as we progress through this. So, so for me as a, as a person, um, I am a highly over independent, very driving with no patience person. And I don't care for a whole lot of collaboration. Uh, and I'm not very flexible and that causes me a bunch of bullshit. Um, but at the same time, I'm also moving the bars a little bit to where I am being less independent in my new role and I am being less aggressive and I'm being more collaborative and I am being more objective. And, and, and that is a huge fucking struggle for me in most days because now I'm not the one driving the bus on the job site anymore. I have other people that have taken the wheel and I'm a passenger riding in the back. Hopefully, uh, everything I've done to, to set them up, you know, with the map and uh, the gas is full and, and I've done all those supporting things to, to drive this bus. Hopefully I've done my job. Now, nothing's perfect. We all make mistakes and, and I like everybody to jump in and dig through my shit as quickly as possible to see if I missed anything. Um, but that sometimes becomes difficult uh, with the new group of dudes out there because they're not necessarily understanding how this shit all comes together. And, and, and I think that comes from that, maybe that desire, uh, to a degree, right? Um, the desire to understand the desire to like grab all this information. Now, granted it's a shitload of info, right? But really easy way to, 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 to hem it all up. So I will not get too far into like what a super should do. So I'm going to keep, keep my ass on, on task. So, so the superintendent, they've got to be an independent person. They can't be called in the morning and woken up. They can't be told what to do day in day out. You got to have a pretty good baseline of what the fuck you should be doing. And for me, I established that in that book I first got, you know, shit, man, in the late nineties. And that book gave me an outline, you know, and I created my own spin of that book uh, to create my own outline, my own set of perceptional uh, priorities, right? The end goal is always to complete your task, right? And that, and that ultimate task as a superintendent is to, um, is to, is to build that house or build that retail building or build that hospital or, or whatever that is. Right. And, and in order to do that, that independence, um, it becomes a factor because you have to be able to be independent in your thinking in a way to where you don't need to be reminded. You don't need to be coddled and you can, you know, you can get up and go to work. You can get up and do those tasks that have to be done. And, and if you're doing a superintendent job right now, chances are, you know what those tasks are. 
And if you're struggling, it's because you're not doing them, right? So you, you've got to make it a point to be that motiv- motivated, to be independent. You know, you're going to have to know your plan and trust your plan. And if you don't know what your plan is, then you need to find somebody that can help you create that plan. And don't be an asshole when they give you that information if you don't like what you're hearing. Because sometimes the best information we get is the shit we don't want to hear, right? Because it, it goes against what we've been doing. And hard work, it sucks. Um, but that's the thing about this superintendent role. It's it's not sitting in the trailer that what I thought it was. It's not being in the AC. Yeah, you get to do that. Um, but you're also out checking on shit too, which is you're going to sweat your balls off. And you're problem solving for people. And you're helping them tee up you know the the next step of things that they need to be prepared for and you're making sure that their work's done um prior to to the next trade coming in and so so there's a lot of things the superintendent's got to do but being independent to understand um that you're you you have to do that on your own that's that's the most paramount thing i think um you also have to be independent enough to know you know what those priorities are and to be able to stop them at a certain point to go handle a situation, whether it's a safety issue or a, or a, an inspection issue or, um, you know, whatever it may be. But you, you, you have to have that independence to where you're not calling the office every five fucking minutes to ask for advice. Because if you're, if you're doing that, then you're, then you're not a superintendent. Um, you should just hit timeout, call, your, call the boss and say, hey, I'm in over my head. I am fucking drowning to death. I need help, but I'm not ready for this. Um, Because it'll make shit a lot easier for everybody. But at the same time, if you tap yourself out and you are doing it, well, then you're just being a bitch and you need to go too. There's no need to be a bitch in this business. It's, It's not that hard if you put in the effort. Trust me. So, and it's not about brains either. Like, I didn't go to college. I grew up in a fucking double-wide trailer. Like, that shit I didn't have control over. But once I got out, you definitely have control over it. So, so being independent and have a little bit of drive will, will help you. The driving part is, is is being consistent. You know, that driving force um, and not having any patience is we don't have time to wait for people. Nobody's going to call us. We have to motivate these people uh, to come and do their work. That's just the business the way it is now. Um, We have to motivate people that are willing. We have to motivate people that are unwilling. We have to motivate people who are kind of in between. Um, And we have to motivate ourselves. And, And if you can motivate yourself to begin with, it's a hell of a lot easier to motivate everyone else. Like I have no problem motivating myself for my work, right? I can get up in the morning. I can go unlock doors. I can do all that shit that needs to be done. I understand what the role is. And, and that's built on my chemistry and my fucking body. When I came out and sucked in my first breath of air, like that shit is just, it's already inside me. So I didn't have to work for that where it's harder for some people. If you're trying to be independent or you're trying to have, you know, uh, less patience, you know, because too much patience in this business was a fucking killer. You know, you, your patience and letting people slide and tolerating some bullshit or letting things take longer than they should. That will make you look like a bad superintendent. 
It will it will destroy your reputation for getting things done, for being having people be accountable for things, especially if you're letting them slide and slide and slide and slide and slide. Like that that shit will wreck you. So you have to have a little bit of impatience. Um, you also have to have some. How do I even say it? You have to have the ability to be collaborative and not be collaborative because when everybody's telling you it can't be done, sometimes you have to be independent thinking enough and persistent enough to understand that they're full of shit because most people out there don't want to be pushed. Right. And so another trait of a superintendent would be having the ability to read people. Right. I've been places where, They've hired other people to come in and, and teach you a little body language reading, um, teach you a little bo- uh, 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 language reading as far as like perception and understanding of, of the way a person sends you an email. You know, a lot of people just take offense to emails immediately if they're direct. Uh, there's other people that will try to slide in, you know, some bullshit in an email um, while they're, while they're addressing a problem. So you, you've got to be able to filter, you got to have a bullshit filter. You probably need to have some street smarts, right? Because we're dealing with a lot of, uh, let's, let's face it, blue collar people. We are, um, we're rough around the edges. We drink too much. We fight too much. We swear too much. We, we do a lot of everything in fucking excess, right? We're, we're, when we're unsafe, we're crazy unsafe. Um, and then at the same time though, a superintendent, uh, one of the traits is they have to be a rule follower, which is, which is contradictory to, you know, being that blue collar kind of crew, you know, you can, I guess you could be a, a, a rule follower and still be a blue collar guy, but, but in construction, like it's a weird hodgepodge of fucking people, um, and from all these different backgrounds and, and some people, you know, I don't know. It just, it just, um, it's very fast. And when it comes to, to a project, you've got to be able to read all these different personalities and understand, you know, what guy do I need to yell at and what guy do I just need to mention something to? Because you can get the same result from two different people by two different tactics, right? And so the ultimate strategy and the ultimate tactic varies based on, where you are, what you're doing, and who you're doing it with. Um, but a superintendent has to be a person that can recognize those things. You know, in, in one breath, you need to be laughing and joking and uh, building a relationship with your building inspector in a professional way while you're walking your, your project uh, with him for an inspection that you called in. Uh on the same point, though, you may be done with him and have to go sit down with a client, and that level of professionalism has to go up tenfold um, because you're giving a presentation on the job status and the way the project is going and your prediction um, of the future of how that project's going to continue on. Uh, and then as soon as you get done with that meeting, you may be dealing with a bunch of concrete guys and and let's be honest, you know, we're not all professional, even though we try to be, but you, you start dropping F-bombs and, and joking about, you know, what they're going to do after work, drinking beer, you know, so, so that's just the, 
the one small piece is is understanding your audience right when you're speaking um and then sometimes you know when you're when you're conducting your meetings when you have that audience sometimes you have to take control of that room you know with your independence right because you are the leader they are looking for a leader so so a leadership quality has to come from that person being a superintendent you have to be a leader um if you're a follower you're going to struggle yeah um you're going to struggle but it's you're not out yet i mean you can learn anybody can learn to be a leader it just takes work and it takes time and but when you're in a meeting with all these guys and and you're there to lead sometimes we get in a position on a project where it's not a democracy. Uh, sometimes it's a totalitarian dictatorship because things have to start moving. Thing People have to be motivated in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, ideally, we're not, we're not burning them to the ground, for sure, you know, because we don't want to def- deflate anybody. But sometimes um, an intense, relentless push has to begin. And for us, that started a couple weeks ago on a job. So... Um, that that push that comes from that superintendent, that superintendent with that independence, with that little bit of patience, a um, little bit of patience, but but more impatient, and the collaborative piece. You know, you, I, I value everybody's opinion on a project uh, up until the point they start being destructive. So so I'm definitely a collaborative person. I will hear your point, whether I like it or not. Uh, I'll go around the room and hear all the bad points. I've been in rooms some days where I'm the biggest asshole on the planet and I'm the dumbest motherfucker too. And I know that what is happening right now in that room at that moment isn't reality. It's, it's people feeling pressure and their way to fight back against it. Um, and then once you push through one of those events and you don't take no for an answer and you maintain your you know, your, your stance, um, because it's, it's hard being a superintendent cause you're all alone some days and you got to have a fucking backbone. Um, and you got to know you're doing the right thing. And if you're getting advice about doing the right thing and it's scary as fuck for you in a room, but somebody that's done it successfully is telling you, this is, this is the right thing. Don't believe their bullshit. Then trust them because they're giving you the right advice because that's what happened to me where I felt very uncomfortable. I felt like crawling in a fucking hole in this one particular meeting. But in the back of my mind, I have this guy telling me, they're going to do this to you, and this is what you do to counteract that, and and hold your fucking ground. And I did. Uh, As scary as that shit was, I did. And we left the room, and some voices got raised. A binder got thrown. You know, some shit happened. Some doors got slammed. Um, But then that job turned a corner it turned a huge fucking corner because the next meeting they didn't push back so hard and they were they were more willing and and able to listen because I fulfilled what I told them I was going to do after we left that original meeting they did what I demanded they do because they were kind of jerking me around because I was a little unsure of what I was doing and then the next meeting same thing a little less pushback the meeting after that less pushback the meeting after that, it was them coming to me with solutions for things, things that they were fine. They were finally looking ahead. They were finally trying to 
to outsmart. But they were also playing a game with me, too. They were trying to overload me with RFIs. They were trying to overload me with bullshit to keep me busy so I wouldn't push them. And thank God I had a, a, an outside source that picked that up and, and showed me, shine some light on that. So I knew what they were doing. So then I could approach that differently, too. So I put up my shield on the RFIs. I was solving them before they even had the time to fucking write them um, because they were just trying to make me look bad to get me to go away. Um, and so so as I, I battled against all this stuff, and, and I hate to say that I'm battling against it, but in reality, you, you, they are subcontractors, are our teammates, but they also fuck with you too. And, and you got to know the difference and how they – they change in the dynamics over a job site. You know, everybody wants to be your friend in the beginning because you're in the honeymoon. And then they slowly want to do their own thing. And they try to work around you. And then you've got to rein them in. And then they don't like you when you rein them in um, to follow the plan. Because they're only there for their own devices most of the time. Because it's all driven by money and man hours and, and whatnot. Or other projects they may or may not have. So it is for us too, but ultimately, our we've committed a, a certain amount of time to a client, and so now we need to maintain our project under schedule or on schedule, and under the budget, in the timeline that we agreed to with these dudes um, that we've signed up and, and got contracts with, and so <clears throat> that superintendent guy. It's got to be willing to take some risks. Um, that superintendent woman's got to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations. That's that's the hard part about this thing is is doing things that scare you to death, but f- saying fuck it and you do them anyway. Because once you do them, they weren't that scary. Um, whether it's having a con- conversation with a concrete guy, you know, I had a. At one point, I was working for a contractor general contractor doing commercial shit and I wasn't really happy because um a lot of things were weird um I saw material come to my job site and disappear I saw I just saw a lot of things that were just shady as fuck and so at that point like I had been in I had gone from residential to commercial and I had been in commercial for probably I want to say maybe three or four years and uh and at that point like I feel like I had Learned enough in the trade of being a commercial superintendent that I felt confident enough in my ability to go venture out. You know, I, I had taken this commercial job from residential um, as a transition because the residential shit was going to hell. And I saw it quick, thank, thank goodness to some, some older family members that told me when to get out. And, and I jumped. I took a huge-ass pay cut, bottom of the fucking barrel uh, everybody treated me like I ate my own boogers and which was fine because it just it just gave me an opportunity uh real quick to just grab 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 um and I was just grabbing information and, and I watched the superintendent what he did in the morning and I watched the second superintendent what he did and and I was third wheel you know head laborer of of nothing in the gopher um which was a good place to be at that point for me because I had been the guy running the shit and now I was, you know, got a little humbled or completely humbled, you know, in commercial. And then I worked my way through and I worked my way up from, from being someone's bitch, second tier bitch to the bitch, 
um, to running my own shit. And, but then I saw the deep, dark nastiness of, of what was going on and, and some things I never understood before started appearing, you know, so you gotta, you know, a superintendent has to be aware, you know, that, that person has to, to be aware. You have to understand what's going on in your company, in your, in the town you're in, you know, your, your home environment, you know, all that shit comes into play for, for how you do your job. And I think that once I understood what that shit was, I started looking, looking for a new job and, and like I do with my own tangents, you know, circle back. And the, the one thing that, that made me laugh and, and brought some clarity to some shit was I'd put out my resume uh, I didn't send it very many places, but there was a few, and I, I was trying to stay local-ish uh, to to where I lived, which was um, in Sacramento. And and how I got to Sacramento was a crazy fucking adventure too, but, you know, it's another day. And so in Sacramento, working in another town about 80 miles away, I started looking for a job because I just couldn't bear to do what I was doing anymore. I, it, I knew it didn't have to be this fucking hard. And I got a, I got a call from a company and it was a girl doing a pre-screen. And so it's probably 110 and I'm sweating my ass off. And I just got done with a concrete guy in my PM uh, in my job trailer and the girls kind of walking through some stuff and I'm answering her questions and whatever. And, and by then nobody was left in the job trailer and I'm probably 24 at the time. And, uh, my PM was 24 also fresh out of college, nice enough guy. Um, but he just didn't know a bunch of stuff. He didn't have a spine or a pair of balls. So because I was the, the independent aggressive type, I needed to be with him most of the time when we interacted with subs. And on this particular day, I was pushing the concrete guy, uh, to get some shit done. And my PM was pulling him back. And then I found out there was a whole bunch of shit that wasn't done on the PM side that was affecting my work with the concrete guy. And it, that kind of pissed me off. But at the same time, he's working with me. So I had to, me being pissed at him was irrelevant at the moment because we were dealing with the issues with the concrete guy. And, and realistically the issues that were there were pretty minor and they didn't affect what I was doing anyway, but it was still that, there was things that I didn't know about the job from my PM, which, which pissed me off. Cause I like to know as much info as possible because I feel like as a superintendent, you need to have as much information as possible to make good decisions. And with that being said, you know, the PM should be sharing a lot of stuff. Now, now granted there's stuff that they do in the background that a superintendent should give two shits about, you know, negotiating a contract, um, as long as they have the points that the superintendent's looking for, I think that that negotiation should be left to, you know, outside of the field to a degree. I think that the field has input, but, but not, but anyway, back to the story. So, so this girl calls me in where she's asking me these questions and, and there's some technical things and some non-technical things. And, and, um, she got to the point she's like, do you have a college degree? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. And she said, oh, well, that's too bad. And I said, well, why is that? She said, well, we, we really strive to have all of our superintendents have a college degree. And I said, 
Why is that? She goes, well, we feel that a college degree um, gets people in the correct mindset um, for structure and having leadership capabilities and having uh, confidence in their tasks that, they, that we send them to do. And they become independent um, because they've gone to college. And I laughed at her. <laughs> and she, she's like, uh, excuse me? And I said, uh, I disagree. And she's like, well, why is that? I said, um, ma'am, I have a PM who just graduated college. He's a great guy, uh, but he's a terrible project manager. And she's like, I don't understand. I said, we had a conflict with a concrete guy. My concrete guy is six foot five. He's a mean old crusty son of a bitch. And he came in here and had it out with my PM. And just obliterated him by screaming and throwing things and getting nuts. And my project manager literally pissed his pants in front of everybody because that's how fucking scared he was. Once I saw that, I had to jump up on a folding chair to look my concrete guy in the eye and tell him to shut his fucking mouth and get his ass back out there and start pouring fucking curbs before we have a problem. And guess what? He left. He went out and he started pouring curbs. So if 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 we're gonna go just based on college degree from what your perception is to what my perception is, college degree people piss their pants in the in the face of of adversity, where people without college degrees don't. We stand up for what's right and we do the right fucking thing. And at that point, she said, "If I would like to come in for an interview on Monday, uh, she would like to have me." So. That got my my first interview out of the uh, place I was at to the place that I went. So interviewed with those guys. They had tons of objective, baseline, provable um, data and procedures in place. That for me, that was the next evolution uh, to go there. And, And that evolution for me was... Uh, I understood the business. I got a taste of the business in the in a chaotic form um, in my first company. The second company I went to provided me that uh, structure. No matter no matter how wild and weird and and how painful that structure was to go through and the way they operated, uh, it was totally worth it. They because they did have a system. They did have they had an answer for everything because they had experienced so much shit. Because I went from a $100 million a year company to a $1 billion a year company. And it's not one of the ones everybody thinks about when they when they think about commercial construction. Um, but they're definitely prevalent out there. They have their, their rise and their fall for sure. And, and I think they're back on their climb, you know, from their fall. So, but they had structure. They had history. And for me, it was a way to get a baseline of. So then I started learning about the the intricacies of the safety because I desired because back to that thing you know a superintendent they've got to have that want right so I wanted to learn more shit I wanted to be guided I wanted to understand the rules I I sought that shit out um, because my ultimate goal was to find out you know how to be the best superintendent I could and what were those other superintendents doing? You know, it's the same when I learned how to ride bareback horses. An old dude told me, 
Um, if you want to be a bareback rider, you better walk like them, talk like them, dress like them, go the same places they go, do the same shit they do, eat like them, drink like them, fight like them. You got to do it all. Um, if you want to get all the way in and you want to be something, you've got to immerse yourself into that situation. And so, so I immersed myself in that situation where, um, I learned how to do takeoffs and I learned how estimates worked and I understood how change orders were processed and, and I understood, um, a lot, but there's a lot of shit that I didn't know. And so when I went to this new company, it filled in a lot of blanks for me. Um, mostly because of the people that were there. There was a lot of smart people there. Um, it was, a it was one of those companies where they really did have a lot of the best people and I got to learn from them. I'm very thankful. You know, some, some dudes were in their seventies and some dudes were in their thirties, you know, a little bit older than me. Um, some dudes were in their twenties and they, they were okay. But I'm, but I found over the course of time, I got the most information from the older guys because they had lived it. Um, they had beat it to death. They had failed. Uh, and I took their failures and I incorporated them and I remembered what they were with that history. So I didn't repeat that shit that didn't work for them. And there's some things to this day that I will never try because I was told by more than two people that never do it this way. Cause it will fuck you. And, and I remember that shit. Um, and so you, you have to have a decent memory, right? So a superintendent, you've got to know your history. You've got to know other people's history. You've got to, you've got to seek out that info so you can use it. You know, there's no sense in learning about all this shit if you're not going to apply it or you're not going to try it or you're not going to remember it, you know, as a, as a, a piece that will help you make that decision, you know, in the time of, of crises, um, or in that, you know, that afternoon where you're strategizing the next phase, you know, you need to remember all this shit. So if you lack, you know, being able to remember things, then you need to figure out how to fucking remember it. Um, I do really well at remembering everything at work for the most part. I suck at ass at home because my brain isn't there sometimes um, because I am slowly over the last 10 years trying to break myself free of that, that demon that's controlled me, which is my, my immersion into this superintendent world, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not doing that role anymore. Um, which I greatly miss, but at the same time I don't, you know, cause I, I do appreciate wanting to share things with everybody. Um, and 20 years is a long time to do that fucking job. Um, but, I, but even though it's, it, it's one of those jobs being a superintendent, you, you don't have to be in the best shape, but you can't be a fat ass, right? Uh, if you smoke, fine, but you're it's, you're gonna pay for it at some point, right? If you drink energy drinks all fucking day long, you're gonna that shit's gonna catch up to you. So you got to be somewhat healthy, right? So you got to have that mental mental health, and you got to have that physical health. So another trait of a superintendent is you can't be a fat ass. Probably get in trouble for that one, but I don't care. Because if you're trying to go up a goddamn ladder and you can't fit through the fucking roof hatch hole, that's a problem. Because now you're limiting your reach um, of of inspecting or looking at quality or relating to contractors or building that relationship with what the guys out there doing the work for you. Uh, all that shit's important. Having a good memory is important. Having that drives mo- motivating drives important. Being fucking relentless is important. Um, 
and being independent is important. I think that being objective is important too, and sometimes subjective. Um, but subjective, I think you can only do based on prior experience, um, which is still kind of based in objectivity. So, so with all that stuff, I think it takes a special person. Um, if you don't know who you are, then you need to do some soul searching and look like, is this really the job for me or, or am I better fucking banging nails all day? There's nothing wrong with that. You can make a good life banging fucking nails. It's better if you work for yourself because you're always going to be better off if you work for yourself because you can control that shit, right? If you, if you work hard, everybody that works hard always gets paid back for the hard work they do because people see that, especially if you care. Like that's, that's another thing about being a superintendent is you have to give a shit. You absolutely have to give a shit. You have to have some fucking pride and some respect for yourself and everyone else that you turn over a good product. And that determination to, to get to the end is, is only a piece of it, right? It's got to look good when you're done. Um, and, and, and then at the same point, everybody needs to be relatively happy when we're done too. There are going to be people that are going to be pissed off at you. That's a given because you can't please them all. And that's okay. Just make sure that people that are pissed off at you are the ones that are not doing the right shit. The ones that aren't safe, the ones that leave their place trashed at the end of the day, the guys that show up late and leave early, the guys that, um, do substandard work and try to, you know, have a conversation with you to get you to buy off on it because they don't want to fix it. Like I'm okay with people like that being fucking mad at me because they are the problem with the industry. The industry doesn't trust us as a whole. Homeowners don't trust contractors. Clients don't trust contractors. Why do you think we have to have 10% fucking retention? Why do you think we have to have a bond? Why do you think we have to have fucking insurance? It's because people don't do what they say they're going to do. People cut corners. People cheat. And that goes for all that shit and all those different versions of construction that, that are done. We all have to follow the same set of shit. Because I tell you what, if everybody did what they said they were going to do, and they were honest to God about it when they provided their estimate and everybody fulfilled their obligations without question, bullshit, and everything was installed correctly with the proper material that was specified and it all got done in the time that was uh, agreed to in the contract, I guarantee you that if every job in the country started doing that shit, we wouldn't have retention. They wouldn't hold 10%. There's no fucking reason why. And if materials didn't fail, um, we wouldn't have uh, insurance, right? There wouldn't be warranties. There were, but those things are not real um, because you can't, you can't, you know, materials fail. Sometimes that shit happens. But if they're used and picked for the right context, typically they won't. So if everybody's picking the right materials and the materials are built without any bullshit, and companies aren't just shoving it out the back door, um, irregardless of the quality standards that they they promote. Uh, then there then there wouldn't be any fucking problems, right? Uh, we wouldn't have to bond our stuff if if we all completed our work, if we all if we all got paid and we we paid when paid, and everybody understood that there wouldn't be any fucking liens. And so, so the superintendent for me has to be that guy that 
that whole that does the right thing. Right, you have to do the right thing. You have to make sure that even people that are unwilling to do the right thing, that are contractually obligated and on your job site, it's your job to make them do the right thing. It may be uncomfortable as fuck, but you signed up for that job. You agreed to be the superintendent, and that's some of the shit that has to happen. You have to do some uncomfortable shit. And if you don't, then you're going to pay for it a little bit, and then your company's going to pay for it a lot. And then the client's going to pay for it even more than that. And then that may not get you some more work. So you have to fucking toe the line. You have to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And so, but that's something that you have to fucking find inside your guts to do the right thing. Um, the thing about this business too is uh, this innovated, uh, this in, independent, motivated, relentless, um, um, objective, collaborative individual, you know, there's, there's a dichotomy to all that where, where you have to be cognizant enough to know that every situation you're going to deal with throughout the day. And there's, there's literally hundreds have to be dealt with differently. You can't take the same approach to every situation because that shit will blow up in your face. So You've got to understand those people you're working with. You've got to understand your, your coworkers too. You know, like I'm the type of PM that I don't want to be fucking bothered until 9 a.m. with silly shit. So if you have an emergency, by all means, call me right away. I will help you. But if you just want to call me and shoot the shit about something, get your shit done because I know you can get it all done by about 9, 10 o'clock. Do that while I'm doing my part. And, and then we'll talk, you know, there's, there's no reason to, to, to try to get me off course and get yourself off course because you want to talk about some random shit that, that doesn't matter at that moment because some sub brought you some bullshit trying to fuck up your day. So you, so you've got to be cognizant of, of when that that's happening. And, and you got to be well aware that sometimes people are truly asking for your help and some people are fucking with you. So you have to pay attention. If you don't know how to do that, you probably should sit back and hopefully you're with somebody else on your job site that understands that difference. Right. And so I don't run to every emergency. I never did. Um, and then sometimes I would, you know, when people thought it was a no big deal, those were probably the big deal moments for me. And and when everybody panicked, I saw through that bullshit and I didn't, (laughs) I, I didn't panic. I didn't, run to, you know, play Captain Savaho. So, and, and, and in reality, as people started watching that happen and I wouldn't let them like having an assistant, um, him wanting to go out like, Hey, we got to go help that guy. The fuck we do. He knows what he's doing. He, he's just screwing with us right now. Stay there, go back to what you were doing, finish that. And then we'll look out the window again. So that particular day, I can't remember what trade it was, but they came in, blew it up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be out there in a minute. They left. My my assistant was freaking out because I wasn't running out the door because it, it sounded to him like the fucking building was on fire, which it wasn't. And uh, we waited. He finished his shit. I finished my stuff. I said, let's go check on it. And we go out there. It's probably 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Like, what is 20 minutes in a fucking day? It's nothing. We walk out there, find the guy who had panic and, oh, my God, we're all going to have to leave and if we don't answer this right this second. And I said, hey, dude, what's up? 
He's like, oh, nothing. We figured it out. I'm like, all right, so no emergency? He's like, no, man. No, we're cool. My assistant looked at me and goes, huh, look at that. You're fucking right. Yeah, because I paid, I paid attention to what is real and what isn't. It's, it's hard, but the more you do it and the more you pay attention to it and the more you acknowledge it and the more you deal with it, the, then pretty soon you can start, like, this shit's predictable. And so at that point, like, I think he got the idea that we didn't have to run and go fucking out all the time and save everybody. Um, but then I noticed with him, he didn't necessarily pick that shit up. You know, he's kind of had some cataracts uh, at that point for, for seeing that stuff. And so I'd have to jump in and, and things that he didn't think were a big deal were actually pretty fucking huge. Um, and then over time he, he, I think he got it. And then he, I don't know if he, I don't know if he kept it, you know, cause we're not working together anymore. That was, it was years ago. So, you know, it's just, um, it's paying attention, right. And, and the audience, the, uh, the thing about, you know, a superintendent too, is you gotta be a goal orientated risk taker. You don't have to take a, a ton of risk, you know, cause construction is pretty, um, it's predictable for sure. It's definitely predictable. And it, there's an asshole of patterns that are out there. So you got to recognize, you have to be able to recognize some patterns, you know, and those patterns don't appear initially uh, on your first fucking week on a job. Uh, unless you got somebody that's a crybaby and then you're going to pick that pattern up quick. Right. Cause they're in your office every 20 minutes, you know, that they can't do something. Um, those guys are counterproductive because there's no, there's no uh, utopian job site on the planet. Um, no matter how well they run, there's still problems. There's just somebody that's counter countering those issues and problems as they appear. And it's generally a superintendent that has a shit together because of either experience or knowledge or all of it, or, you know, whatever, like it's just all these things are a culmination of, of these jobs that finish early and they don't piss away a bunch of money. That's from somebody that's caring, that's motivated, um, that's goal orientated, right? And 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 there is some risk taking involved. Um, you know, it used to be I would hem and haw over an email. I'd type one and be like, "Oh man, this sounds fucking terrible." Oh, fuck, and, and I'd rewrite it, and then I'd rewrite it again, and I'd rewrite it a fifth time, and then pretty soon I'd be like sitting there, and I'd look up, and I'd be like, "Fuck, I've been here an hour writing a stupid ass email." Some asshole that didn't do what he said he was going to do. So I just delete all of it, start over, tell him the problem, tell him my solution, tell him a due date, send a picture of it, and I just hit send. And then I thought, oh shit, now I'm going to, now the fight's on. And that first one I did, no fight. He's like, oh hell, I had no idea. Yeah, we'll take care of it right now. Wasn't a dick, wasn't a huge a hole in the, in the email. And, uh, I got a result, like an instant result. And I thought, well, holy shit, I'm going to do that again. And, and from then on, I just started chipping away at it, you know, one thing at a time. And, and then pretty soon it it turned into, to more to where I had overcame my fear of that confrontation with these dudes. Cause I didn't want to piss anyone off, but I also didn't want to have to eat shit at the end of the job. Cause I let them get away with crap. Cause that sucks too. And I had done that a couple of jobs previously and, 
and I just wasn't in the mood to do that anymore. So, so that having a goal and taking that risk was, was huge. Like, cause you can't reach your goal without putting some shit on the line, you know? And so, so that, that for me, that was a risk, right? For other people, it could be, um, doing a road closure 20 minutes earlier than you're allowed to do. You know, you take that risk. I've taken those risks. I've, I've done some, some, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't want to say it's lying, but, uh, I've, well, I guess it is lying. I've lied about some shit just to fucking do. I've got onto roads, set my watch to the wrong fucking time. Okay. An hour early, gone out, set my lane closure up with my dudes, been caught by the city and said, Hey, you know, you can't be on our road until 6 PM. I said, you know, sir, look, it is 6 PM. And he's like, your watch is off by an hour, but I'll let you slide this time. Ah, fuck. So I changed my watch time, but I got on an hour earlier. That was a risk I was willing to take. I, I kept it to myself on that job site. Um, but that at one hour gained me a whole bunch to where we completed a crap load of stuff that night that I don't think we probably could have done had I not um, gotten that little extra bit of time, which that one hour meant a lot. Uh, the other thing that it did for me too with those trades was they didn't believe me that we were going to be able to get on that road in that hour. Um, and so what they did was they overwhelmed me with so much shit so they could run it up my ass if I didn't make it that they were going to send all these bills to the office for all this extra mobilization and bullshit, which is this other fucking game that, that everybody tries to play in commercial business or commercial construction. But because I was able to get us on the road at that point, then the next crazy thing I wanted to do, they were all in, they were prepared. They were, they were ready to go, you know, and, and my crazy things aren't necessarily crazy, you know? Um, they just sound crazy at the moment, but when you actually go and you employ them, they, they work. Um, but that comes from a superintendent that is strategizing. He's seeking counsel from other people. Um, you, you, you don't want to be so independent that you disregard everybody's shit that's out there. So knowing a little bit of history, asking the audience, uh, phone on a friend, uh, and de- doing some deductive reasoning will get you a pretty good uh, guide into how you know you should approach a problem. You know, I I like a standard approach of I start with you know street work. I want to close the whole fucking street. I want to cut that shit off. I want to work autonomously in this zone of of stuff without any regard to anything else but what I'm trying to do. But that's not always the case, right? You have business owners and homeowners and, and, and all these variables that, that come into play, um, setting up detours and getting city permission and, and whatever it may be. Um, but I always attempt to try to close off a whole fucking street so I can just do it. Uh, it's faster for us. It's less impact on the community. Um, and some people don't like it and they won't allow it. And then some people will, especially if you can, get the few homeowners that live on that road you're improving you know they can come and go as they please perfectly fine uh, run them on the shoulder you know do some stuff to to keep them going um but but having that that plan to do that and and that takes a whole bunch of 
input from a lot of different people, right? And so you, you still have to be collaborative, a collaborative person. Um, but you can't be so collaborative that you let everybody give you so many uh, variables and options that you're not independent thinking enough to pick one, <laughs> right? You have to be confident. You have to be able to pick one. You have to be decisive. Um, sometimes I will take a bad decision for a situation as opposed to no decision for a situation. Um, sometimes more often I will take a, a guy doing something, coloring outside the lines, and I catch hell for it as opposed to somebody not doing anything. Um, I don't necessarily chastise, but I'll remind them, like, we have rules for a reason. You know, it's it's my job to say that now at this point. Um, and we have procedures for a reason. I'm, I'm, I never said don't do that again. I just said, this is why, you know, we have, we, we have rules. So I think that it's important to understand those rules. I think it's important to, to take the time to, uh, understand, uh, your, your specifications and your plans and your city ordinances and your sequencing that the client dictates and what the schedule shows. And you have to, you have to take all that information in and then you have to put it in one spot, right? Because you got to summarize it in some way, right? Vendor orders, um, you know, all this thing. You have to be well, well versed on the telephone. You need to be able to craft fucking email. You need to be able to use Excel. You need to be able to use a project if, if possible, um, but not required really for a superintendent role. Um, so you, you have to have a you got to you got to be well rounded in a lot of different things. Um, in order to make this damn job work. And if you're, you're struggling in parts and pieces, then you're not ready to be that lead. You're not ready to be a general. You're not ready to be a, the, the number one guy that they look to on a job site. You, you've got to be well-rounded. Um, you can't forget shit and you've got to be able to help other people. Right. So, so as, as much as, as much as I say, it's one way, it's definitely another way too. Um, because every, with everything, there's a dichotomy. They think that the ultimate person, you know, that, that can do this job is one that can balance all this shit. And I don't know of anybody out there that can actually do that. Um, the other, the, the last thing about a superintendent, I think off the cuff before I just go off the reservation is, um, that person has to worry about the trades and the tasks and not the time, right? So we, we are restricted to time from a start and a finish date. But on the day-to-day, the day's not over with until you're ready and teed up for the following day. So if you didn't finish your daily report this morning, this afternoon, your day's not over with. Your day ends when your daily report's done. And if your daily report's done, you still have guys working on your job site, your day's not over with. Because you need to be there on site representing your company, probably because your insurance requirement requires it, like ours does. No work can happen on your job site without a superintendent being there. Like, that's an insurance requirement that people don't necessarily understand. And so your day still goes. So if those guys, you know, if you're there at 5 a.m. To, to do your thing and, and knock your shit out at, and, and they stay till 6, 7 o'clock at night, one, that's on you for allowing them to work that late, and but that's your choice. But you don't get to leave because that's not your choice either. And so 
you you have to balance that shit. And so your day could be whatever it is, but there's no time. I don't know any superintendents that I know that get paid by the hour. Um, if anybody does, let me know because I would like to fucking do that job because I would work 10, 12-hour days, uh, six, seven days a week. Uh, I would make an asshole of money doing that. So um, you can reach me at nitropowerhour at gmail.com. Fucking send it. So, because working by the hour in a superintendent role, that would be amazing. Um, but that's not the case. So the day's over when it's over and we all get paid a salary, you know. So because you're a salaried guy um, and you're put in this authoritative decision-making position of leadership, um, you got to act like it. So don't be fucking late to work, right? Because being late to work, eh, and people notice you may not think they notice but we notice whether we're a trade or we're a pm or your coworkers. like that's a little demoralizing if if you're getting the same pay say you got three superintendents on a job and they're all getting roughly the same pay but one asshole decides to show up late and leave early yeah and the other two really don't give a fuck about you um your pm's probably not gonna like you either especially you know, they're only going to put up with that shit for so long. So the don't do that because you're just going to alienate yourself. You're going to get eliminated from the collaboration, the, 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 a lot of it. I can tell you that right now. You know, being late and leaving early is not a fucking conducive trait to being a superintendent. So superintendent guy, too, you know, is also one that's focused. You know, you have to have focus. Um, hopefully you've got your shit together in your personal life to where your wife ain't calling you all fucking day long, nagging you about bullshit. Um, hopefully you've got that, you know, established, um, that your, your kids aren't, you know, such heathens that the school's calling you all the time. Um, so you, you have to be responsible in your home life, um, for you to be responsible in your superintendent life. Uh, same with the way you manage your finances. You know, you, you've got to, You've got to manage your personal finances better than you manage your job costs, right? Because companies are putting you in charge of $5 million, a $300,000 job, a, a $25 million job. And you, if you can't balance your checkbook and you just spend money on stupid shit, chances are you're going to do that on a job site too. And nobody likes that crap, especially if it's, for needless shit that is already in somebody's contract. So they're counting on you to be fiscally responsible. So hopefully you've, you've got your shit together in your personal life. Cause if you don't, it's going to telegraph into your work life. So if you don't, if you don't, man, if you just, if you don't do that, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna rear its nasty head. So, you know, the other thing about a superintendent too is, it's hard to be a super in the world we live in, which is this fast paced retail construction. You got to have a truck, man. Like I'm not saying it's a deal breaker, but I can see the dudes that don't have trucks. You know, they struggle with being able to get some shit done. If they need to run to home Depot and, and get some stuff to make some signs. Cause we don't sub everything out. You know, there's some shit that 
you know, we goes unspoken, but we do, um, you know, it's making signs, it's setting up job trailers. It's, it's doing miscellaneous fill in the blank contingency shit, you know, and cause you can't cover everything. Right. Uh, we're not out there banging nails and, and lamp blocks and shit like that or welding steel, but, but there are some things, you know, that get kind of, uh, overlooked, I guess, or not overlooked, but they, they are consciously omitted from contracts. Um, just because you can't really put a value on it, you can't really define what it actually is. Um, you know, so, so then at that point, like superintendent needs to have the ability to do some stuff and it's by material, you know, it, uh, you can't, I guess you could build signs and, and get a home Depot delivery, but we found out real quick and, COVID-19, they're fucking ain't delivering shit. They don't give two craps about you ordering shit, and Home Depot wasn't delivering anything. So if you had a car as a superintendent, you couldn't get building materials unless you're going to strap them to your roof of your Honda Civic. And uh, we all know who's who's willing to do that, which is pretty much no one. Uh, and so now you've just fucking restricted yourself down to, you know, now you're being, now your success is being dictated by some corporate, conglomerates fear of some China flu, right? Who, who wants that restriction? Like you as a superintendent needs to have flexibility, um, and that independence and it comes in a variety of forms, you know, having a pickup gives you independence. Cause I, I don't, I always had a truck. Um, I always teed my truck up too with a couple of rat packs, uh, in the bed and uh, I had all my tools with me. I had a power source. I always rolled with a generator. Every year, I upped the ante. Uh, every month, I upped the ante. Every paycheck, I upped the ante. So, so back when I first started out, you know, one one thing that I did was every time I got a paycheck, I bought a fucking tool. And if I wasn't gonna buy a tool on a paycheck, it w- I would save up two or three, four paychecks, and then I'd go buy something huge, you know, like a big old double bevel sliding compound miter saw. Uh, and then I'd buy the stand that, you know, the month after that and, or the week after that or whatever. And so, so I was always trying to build my arsenal of the coolest, newest shit. Um, so if I had to do something, I didn't have to fight, beg, borrow and steal shit to, to get something done. And so the culmination of that over the years was, um, at some point I went from plastic totes and things like that to where people were stealing my shit to where I locked it down in a, in a weather guard box, bolted in the bed. Eventually that thing went to a skid. Um, now the evolution from where I was at 20 years ago is, is I've got a skid that slides in the back of my eight foot bed on my big old giant Ram truck. And that skid has a, a welder on a big Miller welder. It's got a big old fucking air compressor. It's got a big knack box welded on top of the, the two, uh, rat packs. It's got, uh, an arm extension that swings out that holds my plasma cutter and my, my extension cords and my air hoses. And, um, and, uh, my knack box holds like my welding hood and stuff. Cause I've kind of, I've kind of geared all my stuff to what I'm doing at my house. Um, but at the same time, 
I still have all those other tools that I rolled with me for years. And in, in those drawers, each each row in a divider is set up by something, whether I'm laying out something, um, I'm marking shit on the ground, I've got wrenches to fix the, the shit, and wrenches and sockets, uh, I've got my welding shit in there, I've got some carpenter crap, you know, I've got a little little bit of everything. So, so if something needs to be fixed, um, I can just grab my truck and go, you know, I can run nail guns off the compressor, which is powered by the welder. Um, I can weld shit. I can plasma cut shit. I can do, I can do a ton of stuff. And, but the one thing I can't do is I can't haul materials. So, so I'm in no position better than a dude with a Honda Civic once I put that skid in my truck. And so the reason I put it on a skid was so I could take it out. Right. Um, because we, are fortunate enough where I hadn't been fortunate in other companies, we put a great all on every job that we own. And so the resources and tools that you get, you, you need as a superintendent, you need to optimize those things. Right. And so optimizing the things that you're given and having the, uh, the willfulness to tool yourself is important. Right. Cause nobody's going to give you anything. Right. There's, there's, there's things that we allow people to have. Um, and then there's some guys that shouldn't have them at all because we fucked them up and we don't care because we didn't buy them. So, so I see a difference in, in the way I operated as a way to other people operated where they were struggling to find a fucking drill. I had three and it was in my truck all the time. And I don't let people borrow that shit because anytime I let somebody borrow something, it never came back. So I just stopped, shut that off. So if something had to be done and somebody needed a tool, I would just go and do it after I fucking had everything kind of, you know, simmer down for the day. And so uh, I'm not saying that that's the way to go. That's just the way I, I rolled. Uh, I would move people's stuff in the evening if they needed some help, um, but I wouldn't let it detract from my day. I still did my superintendent shit. I still did my coordinating and my scheduling and my phone calls and shit like that. Now, was every day perfect? Hell no. Like, I think I had two perfect days in my whole career. Um, cause you got to work at that shit every fucking day. Cause you're relying on unknown people, unknown suppliers, fucking the world wasn't as crazy then as it is now. Um, and, and then people not reading uh, your communications or seeing your phone calls or listening to your voicemails. That shit's, you know, pretty normal. It happens. You know, um, everybody that has been geared to now, we live in this instant world. Like if you send an email, you expect an answer back in three seconds. I don't like, and don't expect that shit for me either because other things are happening. You are not that special. So if you send an email to your PM, it's a fucking nine one one. Man, you need to limit those things. Right. So a lot of this shit can be avoided through planning. And I think that's, that's another piece, you know, is, is the planning, you know, you have to have that and it, it all comes down to desire, want, need. Um, the tool thing is a, a desire, a want and a need. Um, and how you set yourself up, you know, like, just like the podcast a while back was what's in your pockets, you know, what's in your trucks, a whole different fucking ball game. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, uh, a bug out bag, right? People have those things. If uh wildfire hits, you know, you grab your personal 
shit that's important and some clothes and some food and you got a bag for everybody in your family and you throw that shit in you go whatever happens to your domicile happens but uh you got the important stuff to to carry on with with life until you figure it out you know that's that bag is important but also what you carry in your your truck's important too you know so that that is just meant to enhance what you have so so i may carry a tape in my pocket but i'm gonna have a spare tape in my truck because if my tape breaks i want to be able to go to my truck get that second tape measure that i have as a backup and then i'm not down and then at the end of the day when everything dies down i'm on my way back to my rv park or my hotel room or whatever you're doing for living um i can swing by home depot and get a new tape now, now, here's the question. Is it the company's responsibility to buy me a new tape measure that I broke? Mm, I don't know. To me, no. To me, I think that a superintendent should be buying their, their own tools. I just do. You guys get paid a fuckload of money, and there's no reason why you can't buy a drill. There's no reason why you can't buy one tool every time you get a paycheck. You don't got to buy expensive ones. You know, but you should buy the, you should always buy the best tool you can fucking afford, right? And if you don't know what the best tool is, ask somebody who's been doing this for a long time. You know, I prefer certain tools because I've gone through them all. I've done the Milwaukee, the Makita, the Festool, the Rigid, the DeWalt. Like, I've done them all, you know, and I'm not going to promote anybody here, but DeWalt seems to fucking work. Uh, the best for me so just because of the variety of shit that they make and and the sources in which I can get those tools is is completely different um, than if I was trying to get a different different brand um, right down the road is the biggest ass DeWalt fucking store you could see on the planet it's amazing so there's there's a reason why I pick certain things um, I pick a titanium hammer over a steel hammer um, one, because my arm shot from riding horses, you know, I don't bitch about it hardly ever, but I, I prefer a light hammer, you know, so, and, but I'm not swinging one anymore either. So, you know, nail bags, you know, I, you know, you can get cheap bags from Home Depot, which is totally cool. That, that fulfills a need. But then, you know, if you want to do that job, you know, and you want to fit in and you want to, you want to be like these guys that are fucking rock stars in the business, you gotta you gotta talk the walk, wear the wear what they wear, use what they use, and, and then pretty soon you start seeing the benefits of that shit. Um, it's just inevitable. Like you, you can't even uh, even without forcing it, that shit will happen. So you always want to buy the best, right? Buy the best you can afford. Um, it, but it, but don't go and buy shit that you don't need until you need it, especially if you're starting out in this super business. So for me, like my integration of buying tools, uh, just like how I acquired information was a step-by-step process. My, my information gathering was understanding what that job was and, and then seeking out people and asking that advice. Same thing went for the tools. Like I started with a tape measure, then I started with a plumb bob and um, things that I was measuring things with, a fucking wheel. Uh, I went through an ass load of wheels because it took me a long time to find a good one. Um, it took me a long time to find things that that um, 
were light enough to where I wasn't I wasn't dragging ass at the end of the day because I was still wearing my bags up until probably oh eight oh nine you know and and the reason I wore my bags is we were setting not only were we being a superintendent tactician uh, and strategist we were installing doors I was putting wood nailers on top of block walls uh, for roofing guys um, I was installing bathroom accessories. I was putting all the ADA signage up in the building. Um, what else did I do? Uh, we'd anchor shit down for the client, you know, not, not the full blown process back then, but if they missed something, you know, I'd take in a roto hammer and roll out 900 foot of fucking cord and, and put in two anchor bolts for them. You know, it, it took longer to roll out all the shit than, than to actually drill the stupid holes. Um, and then when DeWalt came out with a freaking cordless roto hammer, like pff, I ought to give him whoever invented that thing head for a month because that not rolling out cords, god damn, that's awesome. But but that's finding that new tool as soon as it hits that saves your saves you some brain damage and time because we live in a world where we lack we lack time we lack a whole bunch of things and anytime you can do something to buy yourself more time is all the better, but time's irrelevant. So I think that as much as it is irrelevant, it is relevant. I think that, um, having proactiveness and aggressiveness to drive, to reach goals is, is pretty huge. Um, I think that you have to be strongly independent and, I think that you have to have ideas um, that are, once implemented, uh, effective, right? But the ideas have to be based on uh, some kind of objectivity, not subjectivity. Uh, I don't want to do something because somebody says their guts say that this is the way to go. I would, I prefer having some data to be able to understand, you know, the risk versus reward kind of model. Um, I think that you got to be focused on those, those goals. I think that not only do you have to be focused on the long-term final goal, I think you have to be focused on, uh, other goals in between that you establish. I think a superintendent has to establish those. Uh, and I think that there's a way to establish them already based on the client's needs. Um, some of our clients milestone dates end up being uh, foundation building pads, built foundations, board. Um, steel erections begun, uh, TPO roof installations complete, slab interiors placed, um, all underground utilities on the project are complete. You know, there's so there's certain milestones that come into play uh, throughout the course of of a career that vary by client, and those those little short term goals help you achieve that long term goal. So you you've got to be focused on on two things. Um, it's really your, your attention's all over the place. So if you have ADD, you probably do a little bit better, but you got to acknowledge that you have ADD. So you don't go fucking too far off the reservation because you, because you are bouncing back and forth between all these different, uh, timelines and situations. I think that you have to be by the book. Um, but you also have to be flexible enough and understand the rules well enough that if you do need to break them, you break them in a way that doesn't hurt anything. 
and keeps moving you forward to the goal, um, which involves a little bit of risk-taking. Um, I think that risk-taking is, is an important part, but not so much that you're being reckless because uh, the last thing you want to be is is classified as a reckless asshole that doesn't give a shit about anybody because that'll end you up in uh, a timeout box or the unemployment line. So I think you have to have an aptitude to spot trends, uh, looking at data, and you have to figure out how complex systems work because there's a lot of complex systems that come into play in commercial construction, whether it's the logistics system of the client um, for their furnished by others crap, you know, their, their vendors providing you material. I think that it gets more complex if you don't have a, a stream of uh, vendors that are already predicted and accounted for by the client. I think that you have to wrap your arms around that shit. If you're like, say you're on a developer project and uh, you have all these things and you, then your work is quadrupled because you have to find and coordinate with all these vendors and those subcontractors. Um, which gets to be really complicated um, very quickly. And then sometimes people's feelings get hurt. If a GC reaches out to a subs vendor, sometimes subs don't like that. Um, they think that you don't believe them. And realistically, you're just asking for a, a confirmation by taking out the middleman because a lot of people will under-promise and over-deliver. And I think you have to, as a superintendent, you have to understand that shit. I think that um, the, the best way that I can say it from from my perspective is everyone's a liar until proven otherwise and I trust you but I got to verify it so it's kind of a, a very contradictory um, but it depends on the situation so I just need to know from the source if the information I'm getting is real if the information sucks but it's real I can deal with it right you can plan around it you can work through it um, you can, you can keep going. But when people are lying to you about delivery dates and um, agreements they have and or or that they've paid people but they really didn't and they lied, um, that shit starts affecting your schedule. It starts affecting your, your end goal. It may affect your fucking milestone. Um, and so you, you've got to kind of be in everybody's business. There's not, I don't think, a set of rules. There's, there's no rule that says anywhere that uh, a superintendent on a project – can't call a subcontractor's supplier. Doesn't say that. People don't do it because they assume that you can't. But that's not necessarily true. Um, I called all the time. If I got the a weird feeling because of the the little bit of education I got on on reading people to see if they were lying, if I got some inclination that they weren't telling me the truth, I was fucking calling the supplier right after that meeting uh, or right after that phone call. And what's the worst that can happen? Uh, you get confirmation that what they told you was true? Perfect. Now I know. Now I feel confident in that. Or you find out they were bullshitting you because they forgot to make the order. Like, that sucks. So so at that point, you know, I feel that some unwritten rules that are out there that people are abiding by, they need to quit doing that shit. So... But you don't want to be that jerk that calls all the time. Like you got to save it for when it's important, when it really truly matters. Um, at the same time, you know you you you've got to have all the current information. So how you how you address that? That's on you. I approach it one way. You may have another way that works. If you trust everybody all the time and your job runs perfect, 
congratulations, you are the luckiest motherfucker on the planet. Um, and, and I don't believe you because um, I know that's not going to be happening. So just remember you don't lie to yourself because uh, that's pretty destructive also. The other thing is the communicating part, right? You got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations like I mentioned before. Uh, you got to have those uncomfortable emails and you hit send on. Um, but you And you have to be direct, right? Uh, you don't have to be an asshole, but you need to get to the point. And uh, in my case, uh, I'm pretty assertive, pretty direct. Uh, so much that people think I'm mad, which 99.9% of the time I'm not mad. Um, and, and trust me, if I'm mad, you know, that's how I got my nickname. So... Uh, which was people not paying attention through the communication process. So, so the way to communicate for me um, what has always been, you know, we would have a conversation, right? Nothing official, not on the books, like not, you know, not going to go through this process of like, you know, covering my ass with an email and shit like that. You know, it's just like, here's a conversation. We're going to have it. And, if you didn't listen to me in that conversation and you fucked off what we had that conversation about, the next step for me is I'm going to send it to you in an email, right? So I can make sure that my message is clear to you that there's no if, ands, or buts. You're not interpreting anything. Like these are my words that I wrote and this is my direction because I'm the superintendent. I am leading this mass of people to an end goal and this is your role that you agreed to in your contract uh, and that you signed up for. Like, this is this is my direction that I'm providing you. If you fuck it off at that point, then my that's going to be strike two. When we get to strike three, everything changes, okay? So now I have to get your attention. And my way of getting your attention will vary by how you are as a person. Um, maybe I copy your boss. Maybe I copy up my boss. Maybe I raise my voice. Um, maybe I go hunt you down and make you stop what you're doing to have a conversation with me. And I'm following up with an email and I'm documenting what you just didn't do. And I'm, I'm, I'm like that nasty ex-girlfriend that you had when you were, you know, in your twenties, I'm going to drudge up all this old shit. And the reason I do that is to get your attention. So we don't have uh, this breakdown of you not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you kind of doing your own thing. And usually those guys that are doing that, they're fucking everybody else up too. And it's not productive for anybody. So you gotta, you gotta pay attention, um, to those guys and make sure that you keep them in line. It's not easy. I'm going to tell you, it's very hard. Um, but you, but you have to do it and you can't do it half ass. You got to go all in when you do it. Um, but you got to know when you go all in, you're going to have to work that fucker all the way to the end. Um, cause you can't give up. You can't stop because they're just trying to wear you down, but you have to over communicate. You have to over communicate in your emails. You have to over communicate in your phone calls, but you can't let your phone calls take precedence over your emails. You have to put everything in a written word. I don't know what, what it is about human beings, but as soon as you make a grown man read something, and sign his name to something with his own hand, things change. You get their attention. And so elevating the levels of communication to get 
conformance and compliance, unfortunately, is the dark side to this, as well as the manipulation. You're going to have to manipulate people to get them to do things they agreed to do, even though they don't want to do them, even though they said they were going to do them. It's fucked up. It's a fucked up model. Um, but it's all based on human human behavior. And then the other thing you have to have is grabbing all this information and understanding how these things go together and understanding how schedule works and understanding how um, your role is and the things you need to do and how you're a contingency plan and the leader um, providing guidance and the strategy and helping with the tactics and sourcing you know, materials on the third party line or writing RFIs and, and being the liaison between clients and, and architects and shit like that, um, you have to have confidence in yourself. Like you have to be confident in your ability. Um, and if you lack that confidence, you, you need to get little wins as often as possible to build your confidence because the confidence will help you not be bullied in a weekly meeting. That confidence will help you not fold like a cheap suit when a sub's trying to talk you out of doing the right thing or what's required. You have to have that confidence. You have to have confidence in doing the right thing. You have to have confidence in, in to do the right thing. You have to know what the right thing is. And that comes from all the shit that you're supposed to read and understanding the client's requirements and the laws and the regulations and your moral obligation to 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 be a safe leader on a construction site because you can't, you can't put people's lives at risk because like nothing's worth dying for on a construction site. I can tell you that I am not dying for any of my clients ever for anything. Not going to happen. And nobody else is, I'm not going to put anybody else in that situation either because there's no reason for it. There's no reason to die to build something, especially when we're buying Chinese shit they sell that we probably don't need. So don't do that. Um, but you have to have confidence in your knowledge, your ability, and the decisions you're making. You have to know. And even if you don't know and you're you're basing your decision on some input from someone else and you're in that position because you're still learning that position, you have to have confidence that the info that you got to, to, to for you to make that decision on that job site is the right one. And you have to exude that confidence when you make that decision. So you get buy-in from everybody on that job site. You don't have to be so far as being ingenious and innovative. Um, but you definitely have to be a problem solver. Um, you got to be able to have people come to you. You have to be open enough and not standoffish, right? So that communication has got to go both ways. So you have to be a good listener, uh, to a degree, right? Uh, it's hard to, it's hard, you know, as you start listening to a bunch of bullshit all the time from a bunch of whiny bitches that are old enough to be your dad. Like that shit gets annoying. I, I can tell you that I can, I've lived that, but at the same time you have to be open. So they will come to you when they do have a problem. Um, because you're the only one that can get them the answer, whether it's from the architect or a civil engineer or the client, or they have a material problem. Um, you know, they may need your help. So you, you have to be open enough to where those guys will come and find you. And if, and if they're not, then you have to go and seek them out. You know, you have to, nobody's going to come to you. I, I, let me qual, requalify that. 
very little people are going to come to you with anything other than problems, right? So you have to go seek that shit out. Um, nobody's going to call you and say, hey, can I come pour concrete today? They're not going to do that. They're all busy doing other stuff. They're, they're waiting to be led. And we lead through the schedule. We lead through our, our ability to communicate. And, and so you're going to have to go with those problem children, and you're going to have to spend a little bit more time with them. You're going to have to go and search them out. You're going to have to ask really specific questions and you're going to have to, in order to get the information that you're after. And that information that you're after is only meant to get you to a milestone date uh, so they can complete their work for other trades to come in and do their work, right? So you're helping them. That's the whole goal of all this job as a superintendent is to help people get their shit done. So it's not, you know, don't sit in those meetings and, and say, I'm in charge. I'm the fucking master. Like, cause nobody gives a shit. You're not in control. You're just in charge. So in order to be in control, you kind of got to play all sides of the field, right? You got to understand the technical aspect. Um, you have to have a lively fucking interest in the technical aspect, in my opinion. Um, and you've always got to be inquiring, like how much more do you need of this? Do you have all the material that you, that you need to finish this part? Are you prepping for the next phase, which is coming up in X amount of days? You know, it's always it's always that back and forth on the information. Um, and, and, and as a superintendent, I was always on the phone so much that it kind of affected my personal life because I was always communicating with my subs on the phone, through email. Uh, we didn't really have text back then. I didn't really care for text message anyway because it was hard to do on them fucking Nokia phones. Um, but that, that communicating thing, and, and it was just to make sure that everybody was had the info they needed so they could do give the best effort to what I was asking them to achieve, um, whether it was you know framing walls or, or whatever. Uh, and then I would spend more time with the people that needed more help um, because I wanted them to not stand around trying to figure out a problem when I could be right there and solve it for them instantly and they could move on. Um, I did that with a really poor, poor framing contractor. The guy sucked. He was terrible, absolutely terrible. But with me being in there all day long with him, helping him with layout and stud configuration because the client was a little weird and where joints went and headers were at and how they were established and built and all that bullshit, um, he went from our typical framing uh, timeline to six to eight weeks on an interior he did it in like 12 fucking days and it wasn't because we did anything fantastic and he worked overtime. It was because he, he had me in there solving the problems and looking forward for him because he didn't know what he was looking for. And, and then me motivating him and his crew to keep going. Um, you know, instead of chit chatting and fucking around, like that's probably half the day on a job site is people run their mouth for too long and they don't get, near as much done as possible. And, um, once I was out there, that shit stopped because now they got the fucking full attention of the boss and they really did very well of working to their potential. And so at that point for me, I realized that not only could I do it with the framer, well, I could do it with the drywall guy. I could do it with the door guy. I could do it with anybody. So, so at that point I left the fucking job trailer, left it. I would hit that thing in the morning, do a few things, 
Um, somebody else was generally in there, whether it was an assistant or, or if we had an admin, if not, I locked the door and put a sign on the door that said to call me. And I would, I just worked out of my vest and a, a chintzy plan table I had in the building. And that's how we nailed it. This is before, you know, all these other regulations came into play, like having badges and signing in and, and all this stuff. That was back when, when I hate to say we could actually build some stuff, but it still can happen today with just one guy, you know, has to be that guy building. The other ones have to fill that support role of, of doing all that other self-induced uh, political corporate garbage, um, which is basically, in my opinion, what it is. So, so at that point, you know, I coined the phrase pushing to potential. Um, once you push people to their potential, it's amazing what they can do. Uh, concrete guys can pour way more concrete than the spec allows. Uh, drywall guys can hang way more sheetrock, uh, when you push them to their potential, when they, they honest to God, have a break. They honest to God, have a, a legit lunch. They honest to God, have an afternoon break and they honest to God work in between those stopping points or, or, or timeouts. Um, when they do that, the amount of work that can go down is tremendously huge. And you got to make sure that you're not fucking with them at the same time, right? You want to push the potential, but you want to let them work. You don't want to distract because when you start distracting, you're not being counterproductive. So you got to balance that. And you have to be cognizant and honest with yourself when that shit happens that you pull yourself back away from that. You know, I, I get in the weeds with my dudes um, sometimes, and then I pull way too far back sometimes. And uh, I, I struggle with the, the balancing act myself. So it's not perfect, but it's something you have to work at every fucking day. Um, if you chip away a little bit each day at everything, you'll start to understand it. If you're on a job and you've never made a schedule before and you want to go to the next step, then you need to start looking at the master schedule. You need to start employing your common sense and what you know about construction to fill the gaps because we know a master schedule it's not the exact schedule of the job. It's missing a ton of shit. And it's the superintendent's job to grab all that stuff and, and, and put it all together. And so you have to deal with the details. Superintendent has to be detail oriented. You've got to have a keen eye to what quality is. You shouldn't have any reason to have any third party person come in and bust your ass about drywall looking like shit. If you're allowing painters to paint drywall that you didn't inspect because the drywaller said they were done, but the painter said they weren't, and you said, fuck it, paint it anyway, chances are you're going to have to go back and sand them walls and fix them because they're going to look like shit when they get paint on them. So you have to use some common sense. And then you have to have that uncomfortable conversation. And then you have to use your eyes, right, <laughs> to, to know who's being full of shit, you know, because... Because all that stuff matters at the end of the day. Because you don't want to do things twice. That would be silly. But you also have to understand, you know, in your schedule that you may have drywall. Your, your master schedule may have drywall hang and then paint may be the next item. But you got to sand the fucking drywall. So, so make sure that you're inserting the pieces in between in your schedule, not only for you, but for your trades, because that shit takes time. If you got 10 rooms that are getting 
drywalled and finished and you have that in your schedule, great. But you didn't account for that one day to go sand all those rooms before you showed the painter in there? That's a problem. So you need to fix that on the next one. You need to acknowledge the mistake and learn from that shit. Nobody's going to be mad at you for the mistake unless you continue to make it over and over again. And then at some point, you're going to go away. They're going to get tired of your shit. I can tell you that right now. I I get so frustrated um, when the same mistake is made over and over and over again. Um, Those dudes don't work with me uh, much longer after that because they're not learning anything. And if you're not learning from your mistakes, yeah, you need try a new career path, you know. I don't know what that career path would be that would allow you to fuck everything up every day. I don't believe that people want to do that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not that person, so so I don't know how that fucking works in somebody's brain. Um you also with with having these technical aspects, you got to you need to back to that thing. Like you have to understand what the fuck everybody's supposed to be doing, you know? You should understand the material and the screw because you got to verify it, right? Because the spec requires a certain type of material and product to be used. You should be inspecting that shit. So when you're walking around on a job site, you have to be situationally aware. Not only in your work life, but in your personal life for your own damn safety. You know, you're not going to go pump gas at 1.30 a.m. across from the shitty bar with no fucking lights on and... uh you know, and, and, and a, in the bad part of town, like, why would you do that? That sounds like you're just setting yourself up for some bullshit. So, but if you're situationally aware, you're going to go to, uh, the nice part of town, put your fucking gas in, not have any drama and, and then go home, but you're not going to do it at 2am. You're going to do it at, you know, with the rest of the people at between, you know, four in the afternoon and seven o'clock at night, you know? So, so it's a just be cognizant of of what's going on in in uh in your situation. The thing is you got you have to be concerned with timely results. You know, you have to have a sense of urgency. You know, being patient is one thing, but letting people slide and and not confronting them on that shit, that's bullshit too. So sense of urgency is important. But you don't want to be SpongeBob SquarePants. You can go too far with that too, where everything's a fucking emergency, and you you gotta slow down. Don't run out the door every chance or every time someone comes in and has a problem, because then all you're doing is you're you're setting yourself up for failure, right? So you you gotta have a clear mind. You have to have a confidence, and you gotta be cool about it. You can't panic. And and when people start seeing that panic every time they mention something, um, they're going to start fucking with you. The natural instinct is to start fucking with you. And you, even though when you know they're fucking with you and you can't control your, I call it the SpongeBob SquarePants mentality, um, you're, you'll acknowledge it, but you're still going to go do what you've always done, which is panic and, and everything's urgent. Um, so you got to find that balance too. It's hard, but you got to acknowledge it. And you guys, you got to hit time out for a second. Um, if, if you have, uh, a bunch of unknown stuff and nobody's getting back to you, you've got to, you've got to keep pushing. You've got to keep trying to get the information because the more information you have, that's complete, the easier it is for you to make a decision, right. Or to, or to make the right move. Um, 
but if people aren't being honest with you and you don't know dates of material deliveries and you don't know how many guys they're going to send and you can't and you didn't do your daily log and you're not keeping track of who's been there then you're going to have a real hard time um dealing with what's coming and making a schedule and, and performing those tasks to get to the goal so ambiguous situations are deadly and they got to be dealt with pretty briskly pretty firmly um without really prejudice you just got to get after it so and that's that's been in the rules a little bit maybe call a supplier maybe you source some stuff in fact uh something recently is um civil engineer changed our stormwater plan and he changed material manufacturers and the, the material manufacturer my sub reached out to uh originally is all pissed off that they're not we're not buying his shit well, I didn't make the change, neither did the sub, but he's going to punish us with a $70,000 fucking invoice for submittals. Get the fuck out of here. The submittals are off-the-shelf things that are put together by fucking not the CEO, for sure. And so I don't even understand the baseline of how they can even attempt to even think they're going to get a $77,000 paid invoice for a submittal, Right. For a product they're still providing product they're just not doing it in this section and i think that i'm, I'm now i'm going to fight with the vendor direct um because there's no baseline or justification of of what it is so so in order for me to do that i reached out to the sub i want to see your contracts your agreements and everything with all your vendors once i have that information then, then I'll take this invoice you just threw at me for submittals, uh, and then I'll I'll attack that. Um, if you uh, had some weird shit going on or you can't provide that to me, then I'm going to dismiss your thing and I don't give a fuck. So, because I can create an invoice too for anything, for any reason, to anybody, anytime. Like that's the thing about this business; it's silly. Uh, when it comes to some of these guys thinking, you know, if you ask 10 out of 10 people, nobody's been paid enough for the job they do. It's just reality. Um, so submittals, they're a weird thing. Um, just like estimates, you know, I see people, they provide free estimates. Well, no shit. Cause if you don't provide free estimates, then, uh, you're not going to get any fucking work. So same goal with submittals. They're, they're pretty standard. That's why most if not all vendors and manufacturers have submittals already built um it's simply just sourcing them and printing them out and handing them off to an engineer so so i call bullshit with that one the other the other flip side of the coin is the material that they went with um that was recommended by the engineer was um a different manufacturer that different manufacturer guaranteed a value of 80 grand per device uh, to the civil engineer. And when we got our pricing back, uh, he guaranteed us a price of 125,000. So, so there's a, a, a disconnect there too. And so I, that'll be the second vendor that I have to make contact to outside of my subcontractor to negotiate because I know that my uh, subcontractor is a weak negotiator. He just is, it's not his fault. He's a good underground guy, but he sucks at negotiating. So, I and I 
because I know he sucks at negotiating, I try to be as fair as possible with him. Um, even though I could probably do some damage to him and in the negotiating aspect and, and make money, you know, in, in some ways I, I opt not to because he's a good dude. He works his ass off and they do a great job. So I try to be very fair. Um, in fact, I try to be very fair with everybody. Um, but now I'm negotiating things for him because he's afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations. And, and that turns into uncom- not having uncomfortable conversations turns into money, a shitload of money. And if you take the difference from that 80 grand, that's $45,000 a piece times that by three. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And then if you don't have that uncomfortable conversation about a guy that wants to send you a bill for 70 grand for submittals, when I can print that shit free off the fucking internet without him, that's another uncomfortable conversation that should have been had to now I've got to go fight some asshole about some money. Um, who's apparently what I found out. This is the other part of the superintendent world that people forget is gathering that information and finding those spies. And so now I, I knew last week through some emails that the civil engineer for the project that originally picked this certain product is in bed with that certain product and that certain client or that certain vendor. Um, because they're not a really good civil engineer. And so they had to source them for help on how to design the system because they're not actually an engineer, they're EIT. And so now there's this, um, um, I can't think of the word, but they feel emboldened to like shove their shit on me, this vendor. And they forget that we live in a free market capitalist society to where anybody can pick anything at any time. So gets real weird with people, you know, demanding things and and doing things. So once I get contracts and baselines and agreements established with what my subcontractors done, then I will help him approach, you know, how these things need to, uh, need to be addressed. So I can tell you for sure that I ain't paying no fucking vendor $77,000 for some metals. That's a, that's a guarantee. And I'll update you on, on what I actually do, you know, in the next podcast. Um, I'm also not paying $125,000 for unit per unit either. We're going to pay the 80. Um, if, if, uh, if you don't believe me, uh, like I say, I'll share it. So the, um, the other thing too is, is, um, you got to know like, where are you going with your stuff? So you want to get right down to business. Um, at the same time you want to build relationships. So there's that balancing act, right? The, um, the amount of people that you work with is tenfold more than you'll ever meet in other lines of work. Um, if you work in a factory, you're going to meet the same people all the time. You may see a rep every now and then same in the hospital. The only people that are going to be different are going to be the patients coming in. Um, if you work at, uh, I don't know, an insurance office, the only people that are going to be different are the people buying insurance, but you're still going to have that core group of people that you work with day in and day out, you know, insert task, you know, and, and, and your interactions with those people are going to be pretty quick, you know, even fast food, right? You're going to you see a lot of people and, but their your interaction is going to be five minutes or less or 10 minutes or less. So you're not really required or, or really like trying to be 
um, more than pleasant at that moment, you know, just a lot of pleasant moments over and over again. But with construction, it's a little bit different. You're, you're on a job, especially a ground up, you're going to spend some time with some fools, right? So you need to understand who you're working with and you're going to have to build those relationships and you got to be careful about how you build those relationships because you have to keep a certain level of, uh, distance as you create those relationships. Um, otherwise it will fuck with your leadership and your ability to be in charge, uh, or be in control of the situation. So you, you want to make sure that you understand that, you know, how, when, who, where, why, you know, of, of where they're from, you know, are they all married? Are they all single? Do they party too much? Are they traveling from out of town? You know, once you start identifying all these things about all these people, then you can start understanding a little bit better on how to communicate with them, right? Because you want to be relatable. Um, you want to be... Uh, you want to be approachable and you want to be uh, genuine when you give your direction and, and you interact with everybody. Um, you don't want to be a fake because eventually people spot that shit too. And then they treat you differently. So, you know, we all know who that is and we all know what that's like. So there's no sense in going down that road. The, um, the thing about it is, you know, that situational awareness, that, that street smarts, that all that shit that, you know, applies inside work and outside of work, you know, that comes into play, you know, spotting on somebody's line, um, looking at crap, you know, when you're walking around and you're not spotting what's good. We, we spot what's bad, you know, cause good's required. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Good is required. Complete correct is required. So, so I'm not looking for the, for the good when I'm walking around job site and talking to people, I'm looking for, for the bad, um, looking for what's wrong and I'm looking for who's not doing their, their shit. Like we agreed to and like the schedule shows it, it, it starts to put you in a, in a negative mindset, which is hard to battle. Um, it becomes even more hard to battle when you have all these guys coming to you on a, on the day to day, asking you all these dumbass questions that they should know. And they're seeking your approval and your guidance and your acceptance you start to get this inflated fucking head and, and like you're the smartest person on the planet. And it's, it's hard to battle that shit. Uh, it will make you overconfident. So you have to be careful that you, you don't get sucked into that either. It's that dichotomy again. So it's, but it's being aware, right? So you, you gotta, you gotta be aware even down to the, the thing, or I've had fucking, I've had MS 13 on a job site framing, I've had neo-Nazi fucking white supremacists with, with swastikas on their arms framing on the same job site. I've had um, every fucking race and creed and religion on a job site. And through scheduling, <laughs> as funny as it sounds, through scheduling them to come at different times and stagger away from each other and moving them to different pieces and parts to keep that separation. I've had a pretty decent experience with everybody. Um, I've haven't had too many fights. Usually it's, uh, it's electricians fighting with each other. Um, which is really odd cause they're kind of the wieners of the bunch. Um, 
but realistically, you know, you can, you, you've got to pay attention though. You don't want to put a bunch of white supremacists with a bunch of, uh, anybody else, right? Cause they fucking hate everybody. Um, and you don't want to put a bunch of MS 13 in there with a bunch of Dudley do rights. Cause that shit gets weird too. So, so you gotta, you gotta make sure you understand your audience and understand who your guys are. Be cognizant and know that, um, there's a lot of great people in construction and there's a lot of crappy people in construction and, but you have to get them all motivated to work for a common goal. So kind of got to be well-rounded and relatable to everybody for the most part. And then you kind of got to put that all together. And, uh, in, when you do your meetings, cause you're going to have all those guys in a room, right? Or at least a representative of their faction group, tribe, whatever it is in that, in that meeting with you. So you've got to be balanced. Um, the best way to be is, uh, which is not <laughs> something that, you know, I've never been great at, but you have to be up the utmost professional, right. And respectful, right. Cause that gets you a long ways out there. Um, it's it, when people, for me, I've always tried to maintain that approach. Um, my motto is I'll never start it. Um, and, and some people think I do start it, but when I go after somebody and I start pressing them for time, schedule, um, completion dates, things like that, where they're failing, people think I'm starting it. But I actually I didn't because because I gave you a, a, a five week heads up. I gave you a four week heads up. I gave you a three week schedule, a two week schedule, a one week schedule, a three day countdown, two days. And then I was making sure that you were going to be there the next day. So I over communicated. And if you. And if you got uncomfortable at that point, and then now I'm, quote unquote, you feel like I'm attacking you, it's because you weren't fucking listening, and you weren't communicating back. Um, but you're, I'm stuck with you because you have a contract, and so people that didn't listen always saw I flipped out for no reason. And if you didn't do or pay attention to all those other steps before, um, I guess it would be shocking, but. I can honestly say that I didn't start it. I didn't ignore me seven fucking times. I didn't ignore me the day of. I didn't, you know, so so I'm not starting it. But damn sure going to make sure you're going to show up and damn sure you're going to make sure I finish it with or without you. Because that's the thing about this business is you can be, tell everybody how much you're the boss every fucking day, but if you don't act like it, nobody gives a shit. And eventually when you go away, uh, that job's still going to get done without you, whether it's me not being there because I'm an asshole or, or the guy that tries over and over again and just fucking fails and he goes away because failure at some point, con- consistent failure is not awesome and not sustainable. Uh, you're going to go away. So you have to fucking have some, some win. You got to have some wins. You got to have way more wins than losses. Um, and if you've been able to get away with a whole bunch of losses the whole time, well, then consider yourself lucky because um, it usually doesn't work for, for the majority of people. So, as you can tell, I'm pretty impatient. So, I don't I don't think that impatient is, uh, <laughs> is a valuable trait by any means um, because it's hard to balance. You know, I'm a, I'm a very impatient person. Um, I think that having too much patience is, is detrimental too. So it's always trying to find a balance. I think that 
you know, for the two hours I've been flapping my gums about this stuff and the, and the call I got last week about, you know, what's the, what's the things that you can tell me, you know, to, to be a superintendent? Um, what are the things to be successful? I think that it starts with, you know, do you really want to do this job? And if you really want to do this job, the next one is, are you willing to put in the work that it takes to do this job? Because not only do you have to do this job during the daytime and, and tackle those five basic things that, that schedule, the daily report, you're taking your photos, you're verifying and checking work, and you're communicating with your subs. Like that's the five basics, right? If you don't want to do the other pieces that go along with that, um, then you're going to struggle, right? And then at, at, then at the same time, in order to learn these other things, you're going to have to take some shit home with you at night. Like, if you don't know how to read plans, you better start teaching your ass to, to read some fucking plans. And if you need to find somebody to help you, you better seek that person out. If you're in a superintendent position right now and you can't read fucking plans, then you're not a superintendent. I don't give a fuck what's on your business card. If you can't craft an RFI that doesn't sound, that isn't direct and to the point with a solution, then you're not a superintendent. If it takes you seven fucking hours to write an RFI about the cornice uh, framing detail that doesn't work and a solution to make it work, then you're not a superintendent. You're just a, you're just a guy filling a fucking role right now, but you can be a superintendent, but you got to fucking apply yourself and you got to get yourself caught up because nobody's going to wait for you. Like these jobs don't wait for you to catch up. So you have to fucking dig deep in your guts and decide like, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to do to get there. And that's reading these fucking books. Um, you know, the, the construction superintendent operation manual, that book fucking, if you, if you've asked me for help, I've told you that that's the book you need to read. In fact, as a company, we bought it and we distributed it out. I don't think anybody's fucking read it except me. Um, which is sad. Um, you have to have integrity, right? You can't cheat the system. You still, at the end of the day, have to provide those product and the, use the material that's required and it needs to look good. Um, you have to be able to remember shit, right? You have to be able to, to, you can't forget everything every day. And what's makes me sad is that's a trend I'm starting to see more and more is significant mistakes are made across the board all day by almost everybody. Um, and the thing that's disappointing is everybody's answer is I don't know, or I forgot. And, and to me, that's fucking bullshit and unacceptable. So there's no way a grown ass man can forget that much shit consistently. Either you're fucking lying or you're stupid. And so we have to unfuck that too. Okay. So you have to be honest with yourself. If you're overwhelmed, then you need to say something and you need to be very clear about what you're not overwhelmed by. So if you can only achieve the daily log, but you can't communicate cause to the subs because you, you're relying on someone else for a schedule, then you need to fix that piece, right? You need to start doing it more. I'm, I'm a fan of if you suck at something, I'm going to make you do that so much that you don't suck at it anymore, right? I'm not going to let you do the live in your comfort world because there's no, there's no satisfaction in living a comfortable life. I feel, I think that you have to, 
challenge, be challenged. I think you have to face adversity. I think you have to be put in situations you're uncomfortable with. And I think you have to solve them. I think that if you don't do those things and you live in that comfortable world, that you're, you're limiting yourself and um, everyone around you in, in just because of your fear. And, and fear is a powerful damn thing. Like we've we've got to break that. Um, we're we're just building things. We're not we're not building rocket ships to the moon. We are doing things that, if if done incorrectly, will kill people for sure. And decisions we make will kill people if they're wrong. Um, but nobody can make nobody has to make that decision by themselves. They can pick the phone up. They can talk to somebody right there on the job site. They can source a book. If you don't understand safety. Um, and you can ask our QC guy, if you, if you don't understand safety and you start spouting it off and create some list and I light you up because it's all fucking wrong and you get mad as fuck and go read the OSHA book from cover to cover. And then you realize that me being a dick to you wasn't me being a dick to you is me doing it out of love. So you didn't get scorched by everybody else and you gain an assload of knowledge. Why not? Like, like go teach yourself some shit. If you don't know safety, go read the OSHA book. If, if you're in California, it's Cal OSHA, completely different set of rules than the Fed OSHA, where if you're in uh, another, you know, a lot of states are ran by Fed OSHA. It's pretty lenient. California kind of sucks. Um, so you have to have that willingness to teach yourself, right? It's on you. Like, uh, there's a saying I like, and it says, uh, no one's coming. It's up to you. So really, if you want to be a superintendent, it's up to you. And how hard are you going to work for it? Till next time. Nitro is out of here.